Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot at what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition. We have a very special show for you today. Today is a live talk that I gave at the Auto Real Estate Investors Organization, speaking about preparing for the upcoming downturn. Enjoy today's talk. Now, what we're going to talk a little bit more about, and we're going to bring up a panel here to try and dissect this a little bit further, is how to prepare for this downturn. Now, I know some of you, I don't know everyone. I'm the host of the Real Estate Espresso podcast. Put up your hand if you're familiar with that show. Thank you. That's available on any platform that you can listen to podcasts. So we're on 20 different platforms. So I'd love to have you as a listener. Let's talk about what is the breaking news here today. You know, rising interest rates, rising inflation. The only thing that's not going up are real estate prices. So why do downturns happen? Does anybody know? They happen naturally. It's almost like a phenomenon. It's a cycle. It's like a season. You go from spring to summer to fall to winter, and it just repeats itself. These are very natural. They happen. So why do shortages occur? I mean, this this is a perfect example. Remember during the pandemic, the shelves got empty of toilet paper? It made no sense at all. It has happened in the lumber market. What happens when people say, you might run short, you're on allocation, we're only going to deliver 90% of what you ordered. What, what are you going to do? What's your response? Order more. Of course. You'll order 120% because you don't know if 110 is even going to be enough. So then the supplier is looking at this going, oh my goodness, look at all this demand. I need to increase production. No, you don't. <laughs> but they think they need to increase production. Put up your hand if you consumed any more toilet paper this year versus last. No, consumption stayed about the same at the point of consumption, right? It didn't change. So you get these shadow inventories forming. Some people, and I know you're out there, bought four months of toilet paper. Some bought six months. But at a certain point, you realize you didn't have to. And so you stopped. You stopped buying because you realized you didn't have to. You said, I'm going to bleed down this inventory that I'm carrying in my house. It's taking up a little bit too much of my laundry room closet. So you start to bleed down that inventory. Now, what happens to the supplier? The supplier says, where did all the demand go? I'm going to have to cut expenses, lay off some people. That's an economic cycle. And it happens in virtually every industry. So then they say, well, how long till the recovery? Nobody knows. So you try and focus on, well, when is it going to come back? So we'll kind of reposition ourselves. And we'll, we'll try and gain market share. We'll, we'll do fancy toilet paper. We'll, <laughs> we'll do discounted toilet paper. We'll do anything to gain market share. We'll try and improve efficiency all of these different things. It was just a natural economic cycle. We're in an inflationary environment. Do you know why the Great Depression happened? Anybody anybody know? It's because the Federal Reserve, so in World War I, most governments got rid of the gold standard. They said, we were in a war situation, we're going to print money, we're just going to put this gold standard thing aside. And then after the war, they said, well, now let's try and return to the gold standard, but then realized fairly quickly that there wasn't enough gold in the world to match up to the amount of money that was there. So the, the central bankers started reining in the money supply to match the amount of gold, which created disinflation. 
a deflationary environment. So imagine if you're a farmer and you're used to getting a certain price for a bushel of wheat and you've got a mortgage on your property, but now prices are falling because the money supply is shrinking, that's a recipe for bankruptcy because you're going to get paid in lower and lower amount of dollars for that same product. That's what happens in deflation. And so that's a recipe for bankruptcy, and that's what happened. People went bankrupt. So it was actually a phenomenon created and a natural economic cycle that was created but multiplied by central bank monetary policy. The Fed created the Great Depression, and they admit it now. When you read the, you know, the work of many central bankers that look at it historically, they created it, and they admit it. They also admit many of the mistakes that they've made. We've had very few real natural economic cycles. There have been always, almost always, the only one that was a true normal cycle, if you will, was the one that was um, in the mid-90s, like 1990, 1991. That was a soft landing. Most of the others have had some other external event. In the mid-70s, it was the oil embargo, the OPEC oil embargo. Well, that was precipitated because Nixon took the U.S. dollar off the gold standard. Saudi Arabia said, we don't want your monopoly money any longer. Thank you very much. We'd like to be paid in gold. So they turned off the taps. And that's what precipitated that oil crisis. And therefore, the, the whole economic cycle and inflation and on and on and on. So that was a supply-side shock, and that's what also created stagflation. We have the exact same situation happening right now, where we had an external event, an unnatural event, in this case it was a pandemic, that forced the economy to, to shrink. So inflation does three things. It erodes purchasing power for those on fixed income, it wipes out savings, and it wipes out debt. Now, in an inflationary environment, the consumer mindset is very simple. I'm going to go buy what I know is going to be more expensive next year. I'm going to empty my bank account. I know that money in my bank account is being devalued, so I'm not going to keep money. There's no point. I'm going to buy things that I know I will need in the future. I'll buy toilet paper. I'll buy canned goods. I'll buy school supplies for the kids next year. Anything that I know will be more expensive next year. That's the consumer mindset. If you go through, travel through South America, that's what you'll observe. People doing that all day long. The investor mindset says, oh, but there's that third category that gets wiped out. What happens when debt gets wiped out? So we'll do a very simple example. Imagine for a moment, you go out, you buy a property for a million dollars. We'll keep the math simple. You put down 20%. That's how much? 200,000. You're going to borrow 800,000. Let's imagine that inflation is running at 10%. So that property that you bought this year for a million dollars a year from now is priced at 1.1 million. I'm not saying it's worth 1.1 million because it hasn't grown, it hasn't changed, it has the same number of bedrooms, same number of windows, it's the same house. But it's priced at 1.1 million. Now let's assume that in that year, you made no principal pay down. So how much is your debt? 800,000. How much is your equity? 300,000. What other investment can you find on the planet that will give you 50% return in one year and all you have to do is sleep? Now. For the mathematicians, you'll realize that I'm being a little bit cute with that because that 300,000 is really 270,000 in last year's dollars. So it's not quite 50% rate of return. It's only 35% rate of return. I'm sorry for the math error, but it's still pretty good. So the name of the game in an inflationary environment is not go to school, get a good job, get a university degree, save your money. Some of those things are still good to do, but it is load up on debt for income-producing 
productive assets that can liquidate that debt because that debt is going to be worth so much less in the future. As long as you have a pathway so that income can service that debt. Now, you go too far, you get underwater, you get upside down, bad things happen. You've got to find that sweet spot where you're using the leverage responsibly that you have that happy ending so that you're not you know, somewhere along that journey upside down. That's the name of the game. That's how you win an inflationary environment is by using debt to your advantage because the debt's being devalued. We'll talk a little bit about some of the things that are happening in the market. Many suppliers have overordered. There's inventory all over the place, excess inventory. Let's just look at Lowe's. Lowe's has $20 billion in inventory right now. That's huge. Their inventory to sales ratios are out of whack. It made sense two years ago when money was cheap. It was better to pay a few extra points in interest on that, on that inventory than be unable to service your customers. Today, that's reversed. I'm predicting sales at lows, just saying. Okay? <laughs> Let's look at what happened in lumber prices. Prices have fallen 60% since their peak in May. But you have to understand what happened. So let's look at this a little bit deeper. In November, you probably remember there were rainstorms in British Columbia. Washed out highways, washed out rail lines. You couldn't get lumber out of the province. BC accounts for 50% of softwood lumber in Canada and 14% of softwood lumber in the United States. That's why those prices spiked from November through March. It was that shortage of supply. Then they came back down. Now, if you're a builder, what do you do in that environment? You do the same thing that consumers did with toilet paper. They hoard, they overorder, prices shoot up, they make sure that they're sitting on inventory so that they can build. At a certain point, they say, I don't need all that inventory any longer. I'm going to start consuming that inventory, same cycle that we see in any commodity, and the price pr drops precipitously. In June, we saw prices sometimes falling 8-15% in one day. That's how fast it was falling. Now, it seems to have stabilized around $615 per thousand board foot. They're about to change the metric, which I'm kind of upset about. I understand why they're changing it. They're reducing the, the, the contract size to something smaller, basically a truckload uh, of, of lumber as opposed to a rail car worth of lumber because people tend to buy in truckloads rather than rail cars. So I understand why they're doing it, but it's going to change the metrics. It's going to be more difficult to do apples-to-apples apples comparisons. We're in a very fluid environment. As investors, we're seeing very short shelf life on quotes, something on the order of tomatoes. Uh, this, is a, this is a real quote. We're seeing crazy stuff. This is from earlier this week. I got two quotes for the same steel, one for $17,000 with a 30-hour expiration on the quote. And then I went around and got the same thing quoted for $6,825. It's nuts. You have to shop around in today's environment. Don't assume that if you got a quote, that what you got is something that you, sh that should be your new expectation. Don't assume that at all. Shop around. It's real. Here's another example. This is laminated beams, LVL beams. Again, I purchased earlier this week, v Valley Roof Trust uh, had none available. Uh, Trust Force and Gatineau, $7,800. Home hardware in Stittsville. Who, who would have guessed? Lead time was immediate. They had 2,700 board feet in stock. Their price was $11.99 per board foot. Fine, perfect. 
You've probably been quoted long lead times on things like air conditioners. Now, what happens in an environment that's supply constrained, people often place more than one order. So we were quoted 30 weeks lead time, Goodman air conditioners, and then a week later told that we could get any make, any model in 10 days. Where did that inventory just magically appear from? Did they not know that it was coming? Like, well, what happened was somebody made a large order two or three times to see who would deliver and then cancel the others. And so all of a sudden, the, the, the supply chain has this extra inventory that they weren't counting on. And you're going to start to see more and more of this happening in the marketplace. So don't sweat when people tell you it's 30 weeks lead time. It's going to change. I promise you it's going to change. I think I'll stop it there and we'll go to, but hopefully this helps set a context for what's happening in the marketplace, at least as I see it. Okay.